If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and pull them out. And we're going to go to uh, Matthew chapter 5. And um, that's going to be our continuing to be our text. And, um, and uh, Matthew chapter 5. And uh, in this, um, this passage here, uh, this passage has become known as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, he, he, the crowds gather, his disciples gather around him, and Jesus begins to teach them what God is really looking for from us. And he was preaching to a crowd that I believe was probably a lot like you and I. I know a lot of us, even in the room, and even you guys watching on YouTube or Facebook, you, you've, you, you've been in church for a while, right? You, you've, you've probably been in church for some time, maybe following Jesus for a number of years, and um, if you're like me, you've, you've kind of even grew up in church. And Jesus is preaching and speaking to us. He's speaking to those who knew how to do church. He's speaking to people who knew the law. They knew all the rules and they knew how to live them out according to what they thought God would be pleased with. And so he's speaking to us. And... Um, you see, they, under, they thought that they understood what heaven's normal was. They thought that they understood heaven's normal. You know what? If we just do these things, then we'll be good, right? This is, if, we, if, we, if we do these things, if we don't do those things, then God is going to be pleased with us. But then Jesus, as he always does, comes along and he flips it upside down. And he says, no, guys, we're going to go a little bit deeper. And I'm going to show you heaven's perspective and what heaven calls Normal. So let's read together. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 is where we're going to start. Verse 27. And some of you guys, you've already seen uh, the text we're about to read. And so you're like, oh, my word. What, what are we going into today? Well, let's read it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. He says, you have heard the command that says you must not commit adultery. Verse 28. But I say, anyone who even looks... At a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then Jesus, he goes on in verse 29. And, and before I read it, I just have a little disclaimer. I think in this moment, Jesus, before he, he went and he said something, and I don't think Jesus was really thinking through what he was about to say. Jesus, Jesus forgot that we're supposed to teach what he said in church. And um, he, he had a kind of a brain lapse moment there, but he said it anyway, so we've got to go ahead and, and read it. But Jesus, he wasn't thinking that we had to do this in church. And he says in verse 29, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your full than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Good morning, Mechanicsville Christian Center. It's so good to be in church today, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to dive into this topic of adultery and lust because that's what Jesus did. We've got to go where Jesus goes, right? Because we're following him. And so I just want just to also just let you know, I know we've got a lot of kids watching online in the living rooms and even in this room. So we are going to keep it at a PG, so don't get too nervous. Um, but we also want to address uh, this issue, really, of the heart, right? We want to um, address this. And so Jesus here, 
he kind of raises the bar a little bit, doesn't he? These people, they were used to, you know, all the hands do this, don't do that. And Jesus comes along and he says, hey, I'm raising the hand, the, the bar from your hands to the heart now, guys. I'm raising the bar to the heart. And the reason that he does that is because I think this, we can all agree that adultery is bad, right? I mean, I hope that everybody at church agrees that adultery is not a good thing. And here's the deal, even unbelievers, people who are not living according to Jesus' standards will agree with that statement, won't they? Adultery is not a good thing. It's going to bring some pain. It's going to bring some hurt. It's going to break up some families and, and bring a lot of turmoil. So everyone agrees that adultery is not a good thing. Notice where Jesus said the adultery took place. Even in your heart, right? The adultery that Jesus is talking about here that was, was brought on by lust took place in the heart. So let's just take a moment. I think we all kind of understand the concept of lust, but let's just take a moment to see an actual definition of this word lust. Webster defines lust as this. Lust is uh, usually intense or unbridled sexual desire. But here's another definition. An intense longing or craving for something. An intense longing or craving for something. And your know, desires and, and, and stuff like that are not bad in themselves, right? God made us. He created us with desires. So why is lust such a big deal, right? I mean, it doesn't really hurt anybody. I mean, adultery, we've all agreed that that's bad. You know, once you've committed the, the, the actual physical act, uh, you're going to have some consequences. But, but why is this such a big deal to God that even lust, even that intense craving and desire in your heart would be such a big deal? I believe it's a big deal for this reason. Lust says that God is not good enough. See, lust says that what God has given you is not good enough. Lust says, I want more, God. I'm not satisfied with what you've given me. I'm not satisfied with you either. I want more. Lust says that God and what God has given is not good enough. And all through the Old Testament, we, we, we um, see where God uses this analogy of adultery to, to illustrate what God's people too often do to him. Too often do to him that, that God's people too often are, are desiring and longing for other things. They're pursuing other things. They, they want the things of the world. Yes, they want God. They want the, they want the temple. They want his, his ark and his presence and all that. But at the same time, man, they are, they are desiring and craving something else. And God says, that's adultery in the spirit. Because you're telling me that I'm not good enough. That what the blessings that, I, that I'm giving you and I want to give you are not good enough. And for that reason, the reason lust is such a big deal is because God now knows the pain of it. God knows the pain of that rejection when, when we desire other things or when, we, when we're willing to break a covenant to pursue something else. 
God understands that pain. And if, you, uh, if you're here or, or you're, maybe you're watching and, and you've experienced the, the betrayal and the pain of adultery, guess what? God knows your pain. God knows your pain. He's been there. He's felt the betrayal and the, the, how heartbreaking it is. And that's why it's a big deal for God. Because he doesn't want his children to experience that pain that he knows too well. So that's a hard thing about lust. But let me tell you something else. It's just a, a word of hope. Even in this church, uh, when uh, we, we've, we've had incredible testimonies of where, where sin has crept in and, and that betrayal has taken place. But God, when, 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 when people, men and women, turn their heart to God in, in repentance, God comes in with incredible grace and healing that is only supernatural. We have beautiful testimonies about how God has redeemed people from this difficult, horrible sin of lust and adultery. So he knows the pain. And because of that, what does Jesus do? Again, we already talked about it. He tells us to ruthlessly cut out the cause, doesn't he? And Jesus, he doesn't pull any punches. He says, cut it out and throw it away. It's better for you to do that than to end up in hell. Tells us to ruthlessly cut it out. He says, don't play games with lust. You thought it was all about the physical things that you do and don't do, guess what? Don't play games with what's going on in your heart because it's not playing games with you. Lust is out to grab hold of you and drag you into hell, a hell that you were not, that was not created for you. So Jesus is saying, don't let it drag you there. There's a few things that we need to understand this morning about lust. And um, so we're gonna talk about them this morning. The first thing we need to understand about lust and when we're dealing with it is this. Lust almost always starts with a look, right? Lust almost always starts with a look. What did Jesus say? If you even look, right, with lust on another woman, then you've already committed the act. And he says, if your, again, I causes you to sin, Gotcha, I'll throw it away, guys. Don't go there. And so lust almost always starts with a look. And um, I think the men in the room especially understand this, right? Right? Come on, guys. We are visually, God created us that way, and that's a good thing, but there's boundaries that he wants us to walk in and live in. So us men, especially in the room, um, understand uh, this this thing of lust. And just one more little side note, though, if you go to the, the women are not excluded yet, though, because you can go to the library. I encourage you to do this next time you're there. Um, we, we, I did this right before a sex and purity series a couple years ago with our students. Um, go to the library and, and walk the aisles and look at how many romance novels are in there. It's shocking. You'll be, you'll be blown away if you take the time to notice how many sexually lust-driven books are in there, probably for women. I, I don't want to know if there's any men reading romance no, novels, but, <laughs> but it's a big deal. It's out to get you. And, and guess what? Lust will try to slip in when you're not even paying attention, right? It will, it will, it will try to slip in when you think that you're doing good. 
And I want to just, just share, I want to just take a moment to just share a moment of vulnerability with you guys as a pastor and, and something that happened uh, to me even just this week. And before you get nervous, don't worry, I've already talked to Faith about this and shared it with her and she said it would be fine to share it with you. If you don't know, Faith is my wife. Um, something that happened just this week and I had just been at, a, about a, uh, at the park and I had just finished about an hour prayer walk and I was actually praying for today. And um, I finished this prayer walk, and then I had to go run some errands. And so I was in town, and right here in Mechanicsville, and, um, and while I'm there just kind of going about my day, all of a sudden, this gorgeous thing just kind of went by, right? And, um, and it's okay to notice someone, if someone's attractive, right? Let's, let's go there. Don't worry, you're not in sin if you notice that, 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 you know, that it's attractive, and, and so, um, but not, not only um, did I notice, but as, um, as she was kind of passing by, I looked, right? And I became aware in that moment, I, my eyes actually kind of like locked in and I'm looking and it's weird because I was recognizing what was going on on the inside. And, I, and, and my head is kind of locked in and I'm looking right as this beauty just went right by. And um, I, I don't remember a lot of details about, you know, de- like things people wear and stuff like that. My wife will tell you that. But let me tell you, she was wearing blue. And let's just say the way she wore it made all of her features stand out. Okay? You, everybody understand what I'm saying there. Right? And so in this moment, I'm, I'm kind of locked in like, Lord, you know, I don't want to lust, God. I want to be before you. And, 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 but in that moment as well, something helped me out. I remembered a conversation that I'd had with my brother-in-law about a week and a half before. And he had mentioned and, um, that those new 2020 Toyota 4Runners, they cost like $50,000. And so in that moment, I thought, you know what? There's no point in even looking. I can't afford that anyway, right? Some of you guys are a little bit slow. You're probably trying to figure, what? What just happened? But isn't that true, right? How many know that lust doesn't have to be necessarily sexually oriented, right? And some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You're looking, looking, looking at that new vehicle or that new house that you desire or that new iPhone for all of our teenagers, right? You're looking and all of a sudden you're consumed with your eyes of reading the, all, the, the, um, all the reviews and the things, and all of a sudden that thing wants to get in your heart. So lust starts with a look, and then it wants to go to the next step. And that's the next thing we want to understand about lust, is that lust seeks to make that object Lord in your life. Lust seeks to make that person or that object the Lord in your life. You see, what happens when we start looking, we start noticing the beauty of that thing or that person, and all of a sudden, they become majestic, they become uh, amazing, they become wonderful, right? All the things that we say about Jesus, King Jesus, and, they become, and all of a sudden, we put them on a throne in our life, and we forget about the beautiful things about our spouse or the beautiful, wonderful blessings that God has already given us, right? So lust seeks to make that thing Lord in our life and then we begin to bow down to it. Um, Paul said it like this in Romans chapter six, verse 12. 
He said, do not, therefore, do not let sin, what? Reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil's desires. Sin and lust is out to reign and to, to get, draw you in to obey it so that you fall into that sin, right? And the third thing, as we wrap up this morning, we want to know this. We need to know this about lust. If, if you maybe even recognize this morning that, man, maybe your eyes, you, you have been focusing more on, on other things than on God or, or your spouse, where there's some things that are beginning to take the throne of your heart, you need to understand this about lust. Lust is only defeated by love. Lust is only ever defeated by love. You see, if you do not love the, the right things in your life more than you desire the wrong things, guess what? Lust has the upper hand in your life. If you do not love God, if you do not love your spouse if you don't love the right things more than you desire the wrong things, lust is going to have the upper hand, right? My kids can tell you that um, uh, I am madly in love with my wife. And I know that that's the reason that I very rarely can the enemy slip in. And I love to embarrass them with that in the kitchen, you know, because I'm so madly in love with my wife. Some of you guys need to embarrass your kids some more, right? You need to... You need to Get hot and, and sh- give some kisses and embarrass them. Embarrass them, right? Rekindle that love. Do you know why you need to do that? Because some of you have forgotten, you know, that original beauty, that yes. One thing that we teach our teenagers here about um, purity, and how many know that sex and purity is a big topic for a teenager, right? We were all there at one point. Sex and purity is Big deal. But one thing that we teach our, our teenagers here that I've taught them is that, you know what? Purity is not kept by having a strong no. It's not. Purity is never kept by having a strong no. And when I grew up in the youth group, that was the deal. You know, you sign the covenant, you know, and I'm going to wait till marriage and all that. But if you've ever struggled with lust, if you've ever struggled with an addiction or that drawing, craving desire, you know that willpower will not get you through. It's not about having a strong no. This is what we teach them. Uh, purity is kept by having a bigger Yes. You've got to have a bigger yes than your no if you want to maintain purity and overcome lust. And again, have some of you, maybe even this morning, have you forgotten your yes? Have you forgotten the, the things that, that you, your first love, your pursuit, and your desires for your life and, and, and the legacy that you want to live? Have you forgotten the yes when you stood at that altar maybe some years ago and you gave the ultimate yes to your spouse, but over time you begin to look at the faults versus the qualities, right? Renew your yes. So love, lust is only overcome by love. Jesus said it this way, John chapter 14, verse 15. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, Amen. right? If you're so in love with Jesus, temptation and sin, it, it just doesn't, ah, it's, just, it's less attractive. When you gaze, when you look at Jesus and see his beauty and the purity 
and the things that, the blessings that God wants to give in your life, when you focus on them, everything else loses its appeal and its attraction. So if you're struggling with some form of lust in your life, maybe it's time to rekindle love. And just this week, I, I, as I was, I was out there having a prayer time, I felt like God said this about this topic. I felt like God said that lust is most uh, present where love is lacking. Lust is most present wherever love is lacking. You see, lust is always promising to fill whatever love has been left empty. You know you were created to be filled. You were created to be filled. So that desire to be filled and fulfilled is God-given. In the Old Testament, God filled the temple. Guess who's the New Testament temple? God desires to fill you with his Holy Spirit. But lust will promise to fill whatever area of our life we let love go empty in. So I'm gonna give you three steps today as we close. Three things that you can do to overcome lust and to make sure that your heart and your eyes and your life is fully devoted to Jesus and fully aligned to receive those blessings that we were singing about earlier. Number one is this, obey Jesus. Ruthlessly cut away the cause. You may have to get radical, but let me tell you, there's probably nothing you can do that's more radical than gouging out your eyes, right? <laughs> So whatever it is that you're thinking, you know, that might be a little much to avoid. You know, I'm just going to keep trying to watch my eyes and watch my heart. Jesus said, no, don't do that. Cut it out and throw it away. Get ruthless. Ruthlessly obey Jesus. The second thing you can do is this. Look again. Take a second look at your first love. Take a second look at the qualities in your spouse, the one that you've committed to. Take a second look at Jesus. Take a second look. And the third thing you can do is this. You can pray Psalm 51. The Bible gives us hope. King David wrote Psalm 51 after he failed miserably in this area of lust and adultery. But God comes in with this beautiful restoration and he would continue the lineage of the Messiah. He didn't forfeit God's plan in his life. And so if you're, you're finding yourself where David was struggling in that area, pray Psalm 51 and ask the Holy Spirit to, to change your heart, to draw him, to draw you back to himself. I'm gonna pray now. Lord Jesus, God, be our first love, be our everything. Holy Spirit, we, we, we pray like David did, take not your spirit from me. God, we need your Holy Spirit now more than ever. God, as, as, as we've been awakened, God, that, that the, the things in the scriptures that you told us would be coming begin to come, come into our lives. God, more than ever, we've got to align ourselves with what you call normal. Forgive us, Jesus, for living a compromised life in any area where we've been living according to what the world says is normal. We repent, Jesus. 
Help us to see the seriousness, God, as we've been talking about the seriousness of, of this virus and all that, God, may we see even more the seriousness of sin when our heart gets drawn to other lovers and other gods. Lord, for those who've maybe been struggling in this area in their marriage and their relationships, God, renew that love. God, stoke the fire again, their love for one another. God, so we can walk in those blessings that you want to pronounce over our lives. And everybody said, amen, amen.